Welcome, everyone. This is Russ Galzo of Chronicles of the End Times. Good to have you with us today for podcast number 15. Today, the podcast is entitled The Rebellion. And we're going to discuss today the origins of evil. We're going to discuss uh, the origins of evil in the human race. And uh, it's important for us to understand where all this comes from. And we need to know our enemy, and we don't need to lift him up and exalt him, but we need to know about him and about the evil that exists today. And where did it come from, and where is its roots, and where is it going? Did you ever watch one of those movies? Uh, They start you out in the present, you know, and then all of a sudden they shoot you back, like, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of years or whatever it might be, and they... And they say, uh, starting from there, and then they start to show you, they backfill it. Well, i like to do a little bit of that today. We have heard a lot about uh, this coming Antichrist, and we've talked about this in the past. And that's kind of like the present where we're at right now in Bible prophecy, uh, waiting for Christ's return, as well as waiting for this uh, individual to rise up, this Antichrist figure. Uh, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Uh, We've referenced it in the past, but this time we're going to look at verse 3 when he's telling them uh, not to be deceived in any way, for the day of the Lord will not come until the rebellion occurs, when the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. So that brings us to the scene in our movie, say, where now we're going to drop back. Only we're going to drop back thousands and thousands of years. And to find out where this rebellion originated, now that we know where the rebellion's going to end up, the rebellion's going to end up the story of rebellion with the Antichrist and how he is going to lure the world into this rebellion against God here in the last days. But let's go back. And we see in Scripture in Ezekiel chapter 28, where Ezekiel is talking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit about Lucifer and where his beginnings were. And it says that in verse 13 of Ezekiel 28, it says, You were in Eden the garden of God, every precious stone adorn you. And he goes on to expound on all these beautiful stones and these settings uh, describing this beautiful creature. And in verse 14, it says, you were anointed as a, a guardian cherub and you were ordained by God and you were on the holy mount of God and you walked among the fiery stones that you were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. So here's the beginning of this creature that God created, this incredible, powerful, beautiful cherub. And uh, don't get confused. Uh, Sometimes we see cherubs and there's little fat angels and they look like babies with wings. I don't know where that came from, but that's not the truth. The truth is these cherubs are huge, uh, amazing angels, very powerful and awesome in every way. So this is what God created in this 
in Lucifer and Satan himself was created by God. And then we see that he got filled with pride. And because of that, he was cast out of heaven. And you see again in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 and on, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the uttermost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So here we have two scripture references that pretty much are describing the same thing. This beautiful being that was created, this powerful being, one of the most powerful beings in heaven, and got filled with pride, decided wanted to take over and rebel against God. And here's where the rebellion begins. Here's where we flash back these eons of time, and we see how in eternity this took place and how this rebellion began. And then from there, we see how he came to earth, and we see how he became the prince and power of the air. He became this enemy of God, and his intention was to tear down you and me, the people of the earth that God created, because that is God's great treasure. You and I are God's great treasure. If God wants another universe, if he wants it to be made of gold and diamonds and platinum, he could do all that with a snap of his finger. Those things mean nothing to him. But you and I are the things that mean something to God. We are his treasures, those who are saved and those who are not, those that God are God is pursuing at this present time who he loves and who he gave his life for that we could be brought back to the Father. So let's follow the rebellion a little further. So now the next time we see this come up in Scripture is obviously in Genesis in the Garden of Eden, where in chapter 3, the Scripture says that the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say... You must not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, or you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, There's not enough time to go into teaching for this, and I'm sure that uh, some of you listening may have heard many teachings uh, concerning this, but we're following the trail, the serpent's trail, as it were, uh, today. So we see here that, once again, he's instilling rebellion against God. This is his whole plan. His whole plan is to thwart the plan of God. His whole plan is to steal God's treasure, and that treasure is the human race, the people that he's created, who he's given a free will to, who he wants to have a loving relationship with. And so he knows where to hit God, and this is where to hit him, to try to foil his plan, to try to destroy the people that he created. So once again, we see this rebellion stirring up. And as we look through history, 
we see a lot of things have happened in Genesis. We read through, we see the generations come and go. Uh, We see the battle between Cain and Abel and the pride and the arrogance and the things that developed there and how Cain killed his brother Abel and rebellion continues to fester. And according to rabbinical history, we see that there's approximately 1,600 years have gone by from creation to Noah. And now here's Noah faced with a generation that is extremely corrupt, so corrupt that we would be absolutely appalled if it was ever written in detail of what was going on. And I'm not going to get into that here, but we can know that if God felt justified wiping everybody out with who he is and the character of who he is, long-suffering, loving, and kind, and forgiving, it must have been absolutely awful. And so God is forced to wipe out everyone on the earth at that time, and Noah and his family are saved. Let's follow the rebellion a little further. Now Noah and his family get off on dry land, and the earth begins new and afresh. And it doesn't take that long. Two, three hundred years go by from the time that Noah and his family put their feet on dry ground that this individual called Nimrod arises. And according to Scripture, it says that Nimrod was a mighty warrior before the Lord. A real proper interpretation to that, which every theologian uh, agrees on, is that it should be he was a mighty tyrant before the Lord. Nimrod was a man who rebelled against God. He was angry with God. Rabbinical oral tradition speculates that he was angry at God for what he had done, killing his ancestors. And something must have festered down through the family because of that. And he became very angry against God. And he decided that he was going to be the new leader of the world. He was going to be the king of the world. And actually, he did become a mighty king, and many people followed him. And he inspired the Tower of Babel. And he inspired this great rebellion against God. And what was so significant about this tower was that according to the historian, Jewish historian Josephus, he said that he built this tower in defiance to God because he wanted to build it high enough so if God ever decided to flood the earth again, that he couldn't reach the top of it, the water wouldn't reach the top of it. And we already know that God promised not to flood the earth again. But in Nimrod's case, he was blinded by his hatred towards God. And so he decided to build this great monument to gather the people together around him as this new king of the world and build this tower to stick it in the face of God. And along with it, he took all the signs and the stars, and he created the zodiac as we know it today. And he put these emblems all over the tower. And we find that archaeology, uh, archaeologists have found and digs remnants of this. So we know this is true. And anything he could do to pull the people away from the true God is what Nimrod did. And many believe that at the top of this tower, he had meant to build, if they had finished, a temple right at the top of the tower to worship the sun 
and the moon and the stars, sticking it right in the face of God. And Nimrod also had a wife. Her name was Sumeramus, and she was just as evil and rebellious as Nimrod. And we're going to talk about how this evil and this rebellion continued down through the ages, because when Nimrod died, Sumeramus deified him and said that he went down to the lower depths of the earth, and he was reigning down there, and that you should worship him as Ra, the sun god. And later on, he became all these other names that we see in the Old Testament, Molech and Bel and Baal. And he became a snare to the Israelites. So we can see why God was so upset with Israel, not only for their idolatry, which was obvious, but what they were worshiping. They were worshiping the emblems of the rebellion against God that Nimrod had started. So even though Nimrod was dead and long since gone, his religion that he started, his rebellious religion, had filtered down through the ages and became a mighty snare to Israel. We're going to talk more about this. Look down through the history And we'll see the different names that came up for Semiramis and for Nimrod and for their supposedly son, Tammuz. And we'll reference those scriptures as well. This is Russ Galsel from Chronicles of the End Times. Have a great day. Continue to live in him. God bless.